and welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hatton and I am the JNMP podcast editor. I'm joined this month by Dr. David Perez, who's an assistant professor of neurology at the Massachusetts General Hospital, Harvard Medical School, and the director of the Functional Neurological Disorders Clinical and Research Program. And we're going to be here talking specifically about multimodal integration in functional neurological disorders. So David, thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast. Elizabeth, it's a pleasure and thank you for the invitation. My first question is about um, how can functional neuroimaging allow us to better understand the biology of disorders as complex as functional neurological disorders? This is a good question. So as you know, functional neurologic disorders have been of great interest to academics in neurology and psychiatry dating back to at least the mid 1800s. Using modern day neuroimaging techniques, there are two broad ways in which we can interrogate brain network activations in the alive human subjects. Specifically, we can use task-based imaging. These are a kind of brain stress test where we look to see what activations arise when patients are participating in cognitive, behavioral, or emotional tasks. The second approach that has been developed over the past 10 or so years is to look at activity in the resting brain as one is engaged in typical mind wandering. This is a powerful technique. It's easy to acquire, and it allows for the study of brain networks. In our recent JNMP publication that's led by Dr. Ibai Dez, the first author of this article, we collected resting state functional connectivity data in patients with functional neurologic disorder versus matched healthy controls. So obviously the paper that you're discussing employed a sort of really novel brain imaging technique called stepwise functional connectivity. So how does this technique add specifically to the available tools available to study brain function? That's correct. So stepwise functional connectivity it uh, leverages graph theory to study patterns of information flow from one given brain area of interest to the rest of the brain. My colleague here at Massachusetts General Hospital, Hodor Sepokre, developed stepwise functional connectivity. And specifically, he's previously shown in his work in healthy subjects that using stepwise functional connectivity from primary sensory motor areas across a series of steps or link steps, information propagates from primary sensory motor brain areas to a core set of higher order multimodal integration brain areas. These include the cingulate gyrus, the insula, and the temporal parietal junction. Of note, these are some of the core brain areas that have been implicated in the biology of functional neurologic disorder by several different research groups in the field. Thus, this technique allowed us to to ask the question, does information flow from primary sensory motor areas differ in patients with functional neurologic disorder compared to healthy controls? We also asked a second related question, and that is, does information flow from the nuclei of the amygdala differ in patients with functional neurologic disorder compared to healthy controls as well. 
Which of course brings me on to my next question, David, about the key findings that you found that distinguished patients with FND compared to the healthy controls in your study. Yeah, so one of the um, unanswered questions in the field is, how do motor and amygdala-based pathways communicate with one another in abnormal ways? And this is based on prior findings by other groups in the field showing heightened connectivity between the amygdala and motor output regions, including the precentral gyrus and the supplementary motor area. The gap in the literature, however, is that the amygdala is not believed to have direct anatomical connections to primary motor pathways. So might there be indirect abnormal connections that can be understood using our stepwise functional connectivity approach? And so there are three core findings that I wanna highlight for the listeners with regards to our study. The first is of which is beginning from primary sensory motor brain areas. Patients with FND compared to healthy controls showed enhanced information flow to the posterior insula. Secondly, beginning from the sensory portion of the amygdala, patients with functional neurologic disorder showed enhanced information flow to the anterior insula. So this suggests that both the primary motor pathways and amygdalar pathways, and the amygdala of note is a core brain area involved in emotion processing, salience, arousal. Our findings suggest that the insula, both anterior and posterior regions, may be a core brain area through which motor and amygdalar pathways communicate abnormally in patients with a functional neurologic disorder. The third finding I want to highlight is this possibility of a limbic fast track. What we also observed is that beginning again from the sensory amygdala, it appeared that patients with functional neurologic disorder showed increased information flow to deeper brain structures, including the periaqueductal gray and the hypothalamus. The periaqueductal gray is involved in offensive behaviors, such as fight or flight or tonic immobility. And the hypothalamus is involved in stress responses more broadly. So might there be a limbic fast track that um, shows accelerated connections between sensory information coming in, being processed very quickly in the amygdala, and it making its way to these deeper brain structures in non-conscious fashion. This might also be a form of a mechanism through which sensory and physical triggers may lead to the onset of functional neurologic disorder. This is provocative and speculative, but it's work that we believe is of interest to the field and one in which we want to follow up on in future studies. Certainly a wealth of information there, David, particularly about these patterns of information flow that this technique really elucidates. I wonder if you could tell us more about that in the pattern of information flow across the brain and how that might have related to the patient-reported symptom severity in your study. Yeah, so one of the follow-up questions is the relevance of group-level differences. And our uh, lab has been particularly interested in individual differences in functional neurologic so using a within-group approach. And here, we were able to use stepwise functional connectivity to show that 
the pattern of information flow from the left insula to the right insula in the temporal parietal junction related to the magnitude of patient reported symptom severity. So this is somewhat of a dose dependent response suggesting that the way in which multimodal integration areas are communicating with one another has a relationship to symptom severity. And this is the beginnings of elucidating biomarkers of symptom severity in this population. And my final question for you, David, is more from a neuroscientific perspective about the role of the insula and particularly why it may be an important brain area in the biology of functional neurological disorders. Elizabeth, your question is a very good one. I first want to highlight that our theories and hypotheses related to the insula being important in the neurobiology of functional neurologic disorder leverages important work by others in the field using task-based and resting state functional neuroimaging techniques, showing uh, functional connectivity alterations and task-based activation alterations in the insula linked to functional neurologic disorder compared to control population. That being said, our findings and the findings of others in the field, the question remains, what role might the insula be playing in the biology of functional neurologic disorder? And here there are several important concepts that I'd like to highlight for our listeners. One is that the posterior insula is involved in interoception. It provides a representation of how we feel in our bodies. The anterior insula is theorized to be important for emotional and self-awareness. And the insula, together with brain areas that are part of the salience network, and the multimodal integration network that I have outlined previously are convergent brain areas for the processing of bodily, affective, and cognitive information. So might an impairment in the integration of this multimodal information relate to the multiplicity of physical symptoms that we see in patients with functional neurologic disorder? Secondly, and relatedly, We've wondered, uh, might disturbances in awareness, bodily awareness, and emotional awareness also have a role in the biology of functional neurologic disorder? I think these are questions that remain somewhat unanswered and need to be followed up with uh, subsequent research studies, but maybe important leads that our current uh, stepwise functional connectivity study is lending some additional support to. As we wrap up, I want to thank two uh, people in particular, in addition to the members of my team more broadly and the co-authors. Ibai Dez was masterful in leading the study and uh, conducting the functional connectivity, stepwise functional connectivity analyses himself. And then certainly my co-senior author, Hodor Zipokre, who um, without his visionary work in the development of this technique, this study would not be possible. Certainly is a fantastic study, David, and, and one that adds to the wealth of information that yourself and your fellow authors are providing to the JNMP about functional neurological disorder and these new exciting advancements in the field. We thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm delighted with the opportunity. And again, a thank you to the editorial board, to um, the Patient's Choice Committee, and to uh, patients living with functional neurologic disorder who are eager 
for the research and clinical communities to remain energized, to move the needle forward so that we can continue to advance our understanding of this disorder and most importantly, aid the lives of patients living with this condition so that um, this can become a highly treatable condition and one in which patients can really look to return towards normal lives. And that was Dr. David Perez, who's an assistant professor of neurology at the Massachusetts General Hospital, Harvard Medical School, and the director of the Functional Neurological Disorders Clinical and Research Program. You can also listen to another podcast by Dr. David Perez in our archives, looking at the pathophysiology of functional neurological disorder. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and thank you all for listening.